guys, it's Miranda. Welcome to Social Work Study Sessions. I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about motivational interviewing. I just took a class on this and I am really excited to practice motivational interviewing more with my clients and kind of in the real world, but I feel like it goes super well with solution-focused therapy, which is a different therapy modality that I previously went over. So motivational interviewing has a couple different stages. They talk about engaging, focusing, evoking, and planning stages. And those stages are really going to correspond well with where the person is in the stages of change. So whether they are in pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, maintenance, relapse, you kind of tailor the skills from motivational interviewing that you're using based on what phase the person is in. So I'm not gonna go through all of the phases and all of the different things, but I wanted to highlight a couple of the skills and the tools that I really like from motivational interviewing. So the first thing that you should think about with MI is reactance theory. So this theory says that if you tell someone to do something, then they're gonna do the opposite. And so motivational interviewing kind of jumps off of reactance theory and thinking, all right, let's look at the target or goal that the client has and then start working on that together. So it's very collaborative, goal-oriented. It's really just kind of a style of communication and and like the different language that you use, the different question styles. So in MI, you're going to be eliciting and exploring the person's own reasons for change within an atmosphere of acceptance and compassion. And so some of the tools that they use are going to be scaling questions, which is something that I talked about in the Solution Focused Therapy podcast. They use a lot of open-ended questions, affirmations, reflections, and summaries. The thing to just keep in mind with MI is it's really, really great for finding someone's ambivalence and motivation for change and then kind of jumping off of that. You really need to have some sort of spark of desire or... um, some target goal or behavior that you're working on. So when someone says, I need to do this, or I know I need to do this, then you respond with acceptance and evoke by saying something like, tell me more, or what would happen if you did that? Or what would be the advantages if you did that? Another question that they might use in MI is by saying, well, what's the worst thing that would happen if things stayed as they are? Or what is the best thing that could happen if you made this change? And just kind of using those questions to build hope. I mentioned affirmations and some examples of that might be, wow, that must be really hard for you. Or you feel unsure about dot, dot, dot. One example of reflective listening tool would be saying like, it sounds like you're happy about blank. Or it sounds like this isn't the first time this has happened to you. Or you're saying that uh, that you've tried on numerous occasions and haven't seen a lot of success. This tool is really used to make sure that the client knows that you're listening to them and that you're understanding what they're saying. Another tool that I mentioned is the summarizing tool. And so you might say, let me see if I understand what you've told me so far and then kind of repeat back what the client has said. And then one thing that you can say is, where do you think that we should go from here? Another important tool in MI is developing discrepancy. And so you might say, on one hand, I heard you say blank. And on the other hand, I heard you say blank. So an example of this in like child protection might be, on one hand, I hear you say that 
your children are really important to you and that you want to keep them safe. And on the other hand, you are afraid of Jack harming your children. Other examples of questions that I really like to use from MI include like looking back and looking forward questions. So do you remember a time when things were going well for you? What has changed? Or how has this problem stopped you from moving forward in your life? Or if you were to have a week off from your problems, what would you do first? You know, things like that. From my understanding of MI, it seems like a lot of the questions and a lot of the phases are really meant to find the hope and find the motivation in the client and then just kind of use that to find further motivation and plan for next steps. Like in solution-focused therapy, when you are moving into kind of the planning or the action phase, it's important to collaborate and come up with next steps together. In MI, it's called shared agenda setting. And so you might ask a question like, of the things that we mentioned, which one would you like to start working on first? Or it sounds like there are a lot of things that you'd like to change. So what is one that you're interested in changing right now? What I like about motivational interviewing is it's not necessarily just a therapy modality. It's not just something that social workers or counselors can use. It's something that a lot of different professionals can use. So in my MI class last week, I was in it with a lot of medical professionals and um, veterinary doctors, different, um, and a lot of students that are in, in their medical in their medical field and it was really cool to see how a lot of these professionals in other fields can use MI when trying to change behavior like smoking cessation or um, one of the girls in my class was wanting to use it more with childhood obesity and talking to parents about you know changing their child's diets things like that and so it's it's definitely very evidence-based um There is so much research to back up MI and how useful it is in a variety of different realms. Practitioners that are using this are seeing great results in that it's one of those modalities that's getting a lot of funding now. One really exciting thing that I've mentioned before on the podcast, I believe in the medicated assisted treatment one, is that with the Family First Preventions Act, we are being able to push some of the funding from the reactionary programs like foster care into more preventative programs. And these programs are going to start covering some really needed substance abuse programs like medicated assisted treatment and motivational interviewing for substance abuse. Well, thanks for listening to my episode about motivational interviewing, and I hope that you feel a little bit more confident to start using it in your practice, um, whatever your profession might be.